0: Bro, I'm over here counting this
1: Grid. I keep
0: the faces down. It don't matter. <laughs> it don't
2: matter. <laughs> we talked about like the ginger skin re- uh, reservation, where the land were being taken, and now uh, more foreigners were coming in. And from that point forward, the people didn't have the land anymore. And then now other restrictions were being placed on them. If they lived off the reservation then they couldn't bear arms. I understand is supposed to be one of the original, uh, I guess, thought processes for the American seal or the presidential seal. And instead of it being the eagle that we all know with the uh, olive branch and the 13 arrows, it was a wild turkey. And, you know, the significance of the wild turkey in our culture, you know, indigenous peoples in the, uh, in the Americas, the turkey being a, uh, you know, something that provided sustenance. It was also a magnificent bird, which also brought good medicine, good different uh, gifts that the turkey brought for us, as well as being able to see an animal flourish in our society. Was one of the things that helped us and helped the elders to understand how you know things were going with the land, how you know the land would produce based on the animals that ate off the land and utilized different things off the land. So it was a good. The the animals were obviously ways in which uh, influenced the the masses of people. Uh, animals migrated from different places. Um, from time to time, so we used certain things with regards to their migration patterns. Um, and all of this pre-colonial uh, way of life was things that other, I guess, civilizations had come into contact, possibly in, in years or ancient times and utilized some of the information that, you know, that came from here, especially uh, coming back in the 1500s Um, When they say that Europeans first got here and they're seeing fields of corn, they're seeing, you know, fields of uh, different herbs and and things that we utilize for everyday life, you know, uh, sweet grass, you know, these types of things um, were, I guess, woven into the fabric of who we were, put it that way. Now, taking a quick transition, and I'll make a quick point here uh, with the Southeastern Native American cuisine, okay? We take a look at some of the things that were eaten by a lot of these folks. And when we take a look at, you guys can see this on screen, correct? Um, when you look at yeah, this- We can see it, we can see everything. The culture, culture um, as we look here in the highlighted section here, to a far greater degree than anyone realizes, several of the most important food dishes of Southeastern Indians live on today in the soul food eaten by both Black and white Southerners. Hominy, for example, is still eaten, soft keep, live on as grits, cornbread used by Southern cooks, Indian fritters or corn fritters, uh, we used to call them Johnny Cakes, whole cakes, Indians boiled cornbread in. Uh, Uh, which is present in Southern cuisine as cornmeal dumplings or hush puppies. um, uh, They cook their beans and peas by boiling them as did the Indians. Like the Indians, they cure their meat and smoke it over hickory coals. And this is something that was written um, by someone named Charles Hudson for the Southeastern Indians. Now we take a look into a lot of the uh, other foods here. I don't know anybody else on the planet that eats chitlins other than so-called black people or African-Americans, so forth uh, here in America. Cornbread, hominy, hush puppies, we talked about it. Um, You know, there's, looking down here, uh, they also, I think, have West Indian food, which is uh, considered, here we go, jerk chicken. You know, if you've ever gone into a Jamaican restaurant, this is one of the staples on the menu, which is jerk chicken. Um jerk a seasoning that Europeans uh <laughs> I guess th- uh, loved once they they found them, you know, Christopher Columbus we were told was on the the route to uh, find spices and things like that. So, you know, this is not shake and bake. We've been barbecuing, which is the Arawak word Uh, barbecue, you know, so we've been doing these things for so long, and when you look at the culture and the nature of the people, it hasn't left us. The same West Indian people that they found in 1492 are the same West Indian people, minus a few here and there because they were brought in from the mainland Americas, Massachusetts, after Pequot Wars, but we'll touch on a lot of that stuff. I have
0: well, bro, um, brother history. Quick question in order to based on the information that you're presenting. Um, so pretty much you're saying that the food that we all call soul food is American Indian food, and in a lot of these things because the correlation that it was given to me in my youth was that some of these things were slave food. Like me personally, I don't eat grits. Like I just I don't.
2: Because in my mind, I said, I said, slave food, <laughs> but grits is, is hominy, it comes from you know, it comes from corn. So, you know, at the same time, there was no corn outside of the Americas, according to what historians tell us before 1492. Mm. Columbus brought that back, he brought back tomatoes. Uh, he being from a native of Genoa, Italy, um, you know, the state of Italy, and you know, at that time. Uh, they didn't have tomatoes. So, Columbus brought back tomatoes so Italians could take credit for pizza sauce and, you know, uh, spaghetti sauce and what have you. Um, that's another one. You know, there's so many things. If we just look back in our history, um, the main staple uh, product or uh, produce that we had was corn, beans, and squash, namely the Three Sisters. And any person of indigenous, you know, uh, background can tell you that probably somebody in their family grew that in the past. And when we look on, you know, our ancestral records, I know I have on all four sides, uh, you know, farmers and, and, you know, from my grandparents' side. So, you know, when we look back and what they farm, tobacco, Indian corn, um, you know, it's hard to come from an entirely different continent and farm those things yourself. So that's why you put the indigenous people and do that for you. And now when we had, you know, our fields of tobacco and our fields of corn, because we had to sustain and feed our people, you know, those those lifestyles that we lived as farmers, as traders, you know, we bartered with other tribes and that system is something that they broke us away from. And, you know, I know we discuss things a lot where we're talking about bringing ourselves back as a whole to, you know, our roots. And that's part of it as well. So if we can get back to a system where we're people of the land and we're utilizing the resources of the land and giving back to the land and doing the things that we're supposed to do and not, you know, take too much from it. And you know, once we get back to those things, I think as a people, we'll be able to return to our greatness. So well, can you
0: give us a little bit of um, can you give us a little bit of cultural background on what that will look like? Um, before we had any Europeans come over here, you know, like pre seventeen seventy. Well, it was they were over here before that time, but before they said gained their independence in seventeen seventy six.
2: Well, let, let me give uh, let me give Tony a, t- a a chance to chime in on on this here because uh, you know I know he's he's got a lot of things with regards to the uh, the body, if you will, of laws that they created you know, to uh, govern us over here. So let him talk to that first and then we can kind of jump back into some of the other things.
0: Brother Tomahawk, Tony.
1: Yeah, much appreciation. Um, So when we put this in a perspective, right? How we have these natural people Descendants of these American nations, right? They engage in hunting activities, agriculture activities, civilization, which sustains natural life activities, right? Yep. And meanwhile, the foreigners, they have it in their minds to say that these people are savages. These people are barbarians. These... Are barbarian nations, and people can look up barbarous nations and savage nations. You can look that up. Now, when we have foreigners who have interacted with brown skinned, quote unquote, melanated, what they want to call Negroid peoples, right? For those people, they had already designated them as slaves. Negro, black, it's synonymous with slave. This ties into the foreigners' caste system. And so via the papal bulls, right? You know, this this was this was like international law coming from.
0: And for those of anybody who is not aware, this is a very in-depth piece of work that Brother Tomahawk Tony is sharing right now. And this is the second edition. And um I don't know if you all are able to see he is actually one of the authors of this information. And I also share this with you all on my website as well. And I recommend you get this for your home. And it also has that list of tribes that I always refer to <laughs> within the Americas. So like I said, if it's not one of those tribes that's on the list and it's not one that you can look up, usually it's not one of the ones that we ourselves verify within the American Indian community.
1: Here it is right here. Here we go. So, all right, so section two, las Castas. that is the caste system, okay? The caste. Las Castas, the caste. This section um, is miscegenation assimilation, usurpation conquered through blood. Blanco mienzo is additional in regards to the bleaching of populations through the miscegenation assimilation and usurpation. okay the mixing of blood, hence the conquering of blood. So anyway, without getting into those definitions, um, this here is the Spanish slash European caste system and the symbolism associated to it. So everyone's heard of pyramid schemes, right? Multi-level marketing schemes, etc. cetera, right? So what I'm showing you is a triangle, a pyramid, right? Where it says here Spaniards phenotypically quote unquote white individuals born in Spain. Thing is, I want you to pay attention to something here. These are people of European descent and origin, okay? Beneath those, quote-unquote, white people born in Spain or Europe in particular, you have beneath them the Criollos. The creoles, if you will. Criollo is the predecessor of Creole, okay? It comes from the foreigners. And so this says here... Offsprings of the Spaniards slash Europeans born in the Americas. So the Spaniards, the Europe, the people born in Europe are superior to the people that was born in the Americas. They have a greater superior position than those people born in the Americas. it's on the system here, continuing, you have the mestizos. This is people of mixed European and indigenous ancestries and so they are above the mulattoes that is people of mixed european and african ancestries so a mulatto is someone of mixed european and african ancestry and once again you had mulattoes in europe already you know um for context here you know you have back in the second century when the romans invaded europe right they had African soldiers with them, what they call Moors. They was, um, they was under Marcus Aurelius. Um, he was a commander during this period, right? And so anyway, when they invaded Europe in the second century AD, right, you had these Africans that was mixing with the European population. And so this is where terms such as mulatto, mestizo, etc. this is where these terms originate from. But now, following the invasion of 1492 forward, now we have a situation where they are introducing and applying all these terms to these Americas. So once again, mulatto, people of mixed European and African ancestries present in America, the continent of America, right? Continuing now, we have people of mixed indigenous and, and African ancestries, those are called Zambos or Zambos, Sambo, what have you, right? Beneath the Zambos or Sambos or what have you, then you have the indigenous. And it says here, phenotypically of indigenous descent. And then all the way at the bottom, as we see here, you have the Africans phenotypically of African descent. So This caste system that we're seeing here, right? The Foreigners absolutely had laws that supported this. Literally speaking, um, they was like black and white, to put it in the most simplest of terms. Um, Before they didn't blatantly call people black, they called you Negro. Negro synonymous with black, once again. And so this was introduced to the Americas because this is the labor force they was bringing to the Americas. You had people of... Not melanated, quote-unquote, complexion, so, quote-unquote, white people was shipped here as slaves. They was exiled as convict slave labor, okay? And you also had those Moors that was also a part of the European population since 2nd century AD and the Roman invasion of Europe, right? That was also a part of this European population that was being exiled as convict slave labor to the colonies of the American continent in which the foreigners had established, right? right-huh
2: so just want to take a quick step back real quick um with regards to the people being uh that you're referring to as moors i want people to understand that more doesn't really particularly mean just the skin color because you had turkish ottoman uh muslims and some were jews that came in to the uh the uh Cordoba, Spain, and Andalusia periods after uh, sometime in between the, the beginning of the middle century, or the, around 500 AD, going into, for about a thousand years, going into about 1492, where they were actually the ones who were kicked out. So when you talk about that mixed multitude, it's correct. And when we say mixed, it doesn't just mean skin color. It also means you have a uh, Arabian people who are Muslims, Arabian people who are Jews, Arabian people who are Christians, and they're all coming out of different places because they've been subjugated. And then you have, you know, uh, a little bit later, the Mongol invasions after, you know, the crusades start, you know, in, in 1066, you know, for that 100 to 200 years where, you know, the struggle between Islam in Christianity of taking over the Holy Land. So there's a lot of history that's been taking place around that Mediterranean region from Northern Africa into the Middle East or Asia Minor or Canaan or Syria, all the way up into Greece and Southern Europe. So I just wanted people to really focus that when you say more, it means a little bit more than just brown people, that's yep. what people call you know, more. They were mingled and they have a presence together all the way up through this time.
1: That's right. And um, you know, the key here, the key to this in regards to this terminology of more, I want people to pay attention to the fact that we're talking about a a, a people, right? Whether they was Christian, because a more when he became Christian, he was now become a morisco. The female would be called a marisca okay um but then when you deal with on the islamic side well they're generally called a muslim but we're talking about europeans and their laws their legal um religious um infrastructure their system right oh here once again we have this pyramid here right Latin American colonial society. So, once again, the peninsulatus, right? That's Europeans born on the Iberian Peninsula, which is Spain and Portugal, right? They're at the top in regards to Latin American colonial society. So, we're talking about all the Spanish-speaking territories in the Americas, right? So, you know, we got Mexico, Central America we uh, yeah, have places within the caribbean you know dominican republic um series of islands or what have you hispanola etc right all these territories well they some of them speak a lot of spanish some of them they speak english right but this deals with the colonial establishments in which these europeans brought here and so once again we have the creoles beneath the Peninsulares. White Europeans born in Latin America. They're beneath those that were born in Europe. Beneath them now, we have the mestizos. That's a mixed, quote unquote, native Indian and European ancestry. More in Mexico, they're saying here, right? Then we have the mulattos. They're on the same playing field in Latin American colonial society here. Where it's saying mulattos, mixed African and European ancestry. More in Brazil, they're saying here. Then at the bottom, on this particular caste system diagram, we have Indians and Africans on the same playing field, right? At the bottom. And there were laws in place. Once again, it says here, Penicillates, high-ranking royal officials own large estates, mines. So we're talking about foreigners coming to the territories of your ancestors, right? And um, they're positioning your ancestors at the bottom while they're claiming ownership of land and the land's resources that are essentially your ancestors' resources, you being a descendant. Well, they're claiming your inheritance, the resources that's within your inheritance. They're claiming this, and they're doing this utilizing various aspects of law, beginning with the papal bull, what is known as the intercaterra. Okay? Now, the Antiqua although it was rescinded in 1537, the papal bull known as Sublimis Deus slash Sublimis Dei, it said that the Indians didn't have to be Christians and they should not be um, denied their liberties, their freedoms, or possessions and property, etc. But meanwhile, what happened? Well, these Peninsulares, these Creoles, these mestizos, these Mulattos, they was like, nah, man. Yo, we're, we're, we've already agreed. We've already agreed to, to to these activities here. And so this is the problem that we have to this day. This is all supporting foreign colonization agendas here. And so continuing now, right? You know, we show how we have celebrities, quote unquote, foreign contracted celebrities to this day that waive this, triangle symbol this pyramid symbol with their hands to me it represents the caste system in the most simplest terms of this caste system which is being thrown around is literally the white caste slash slash class and then you have the quote-unquote black caste slash class which is beneath that of the quote-unquote white you see and once again the foreigners have positioned themselves via legal applications to be superior to, quote unquote, black. And so on the subject matter of Thanksgiving, right, what do we see going on? Um, our American people are consuming our traditional American foods, but it's being provided by foreigners, their foreign corporations, et cetera. Um, The foreigners are utilizing our resources to position us at the bottom of their system, this commercial system which they introduced here. This black situation supports everything foreign by default. And it's vital that we understand this.
0: This particular caste system has projected so... After you get into this particular, oh, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I know about that. I seen that the uh, young golf aspect that was his and most Sean, recent album, yeah. And he was signed to who is Empire? Empire oh. has had the in the last year the most deaths out of any um rap label,
2: the one with the gun. That shit is crazy, Tony, that you was just talking about, you know, us being utilized as pawns, if you will, in, you know, the game of Monopoly and everything that you see uh, across any genre of, you know, whether it be cosmetics, whether it be, you know, uh, any type of sports, whether it be a damn, you know, cell phone uh, you know, uh, a food commercial, it all has the incorporation of our culture and the people who are creative within our culture create for the most part, you know, the dynamic in which, you know, industry goes and, you know, they know that and they talk about it all the time with us as a people being the consumer and going back to Tony's point about, you know them coming here and utilizing you know the resources of America you know that the, the resources you know were us as well the natural people who had natural god-given rights in order to be able to occupy the land and we took care of the land and at the same time you know when you as a people are a people who care about other people. So like, we're almost like the, the superheroes in the epic story and, you know, foreigners are the, the villains. And for us, we always end up losing because we have more care for our common folk, you know, our the people around us and the people of our land than the villain. And the villain always exploits that and puts, you know, the people who want to be able to do things for others in a tough situation. So it's harder to do and you know that leads into their pawns or their puppets that they create in order to show people here's something that you can achieve if you just do what we tell you to do or if you follow along the path that we provide which is going to do nothing but harm the rest of the people that come and follow behind that and we see how you know our music has been exploited hip hop was an expression of who we were as individuals
0: well since we're since we talking about exploitation, let's talk about the exploitation of um, our culture as it pertains to this particular time and how, shit, they mar- right now they're marketing uh, a very sacred animal. And then they're, they're it, it's like, it's the commercial aspect and the come up on something that was sacred to us. And just like the transition of how it just has become distasteful in today's society, absolutely for I mean, us because other people they love this holiday, but some of us we despise it. And you can take it back to uh,
2: to the very beginning of why they came here. I mean, they wanted to come to America for one to seek riches and and and, and, and things that they did not have. They didn't have spice for their food. Salt so was an expensive commodity in Europe, and if you had salt. If you controlled salt, just like if you controlled sugar for a long time here, you know, in early uh, you know, colonial times when they set up plantations and you have Sephardic Jews who originally came here, you know, on the Mayflower. And these were the people who were actually, you know, financing some of the things. You'll see Queen Elizabeth uh, had her, uh, her foreigners who she employed as privateers. Uh, who now we know that word is synonymous to pirate. So these people who were hired to go and steal riches, literally the gold out of people's nose rings, you know, the earrings, armbands, and, you know, this gold that they they used to finance what they consider their golden ages. And, you know, while they were in the dark ages for, you know, the mid, most of the medieval time period, because of the fact that they didn't have any of the resources on their land masses. So they went and stole it. They, you know, they went to different lands and, and mined for, for uh, iron and, you know, copper and so on and so forth. And, you know, once they were able to accumulate an amass of money, if you will, to be able to finance and purchase weaponry and gunpowder, which was coming out of uh, Asia, after the 1200s, 1300s, you have the time period of Marco Polo, who was a Genoan coming from Italy, going into Asia in that so-called trade route. Now, those, those things are not even brought up when it talks about Christopher Columbus being from the same place that Marco Polo's from. And when Christopher Columbus and the people coming out of Genoa who were scholarly because you had several different groups of religious people, uh, in that particular area at a certain point in time, which for one, you had the Christians or not the Christians, but the Catholics, you ha- also had the beginnings of the end, you know, the Muslims or Islamic folks who ended up creating, uh, or recreating old texts that allowed them to navigate through the stars. And they utilized the, the, uh, the, the constellations as a guide in order to move around throughout the the uh, well Earth, the planet. So you know, for the most part, that knowledge was a sacred knowledge only certain people had. And I'll just leave it with this: um, the serpent mounds and the serpent structures all over the Americas are representations of different constellations and how those constellations and you know those serpent mounds are put there in order to show how the moon and uh different phases of the moon travel around the globe so you know for the most part uh you know that that information is such an ancient body of work that it was translated and retranslated translated again so that it became something that only certain people knew and now you have you know, different religions that use numbers in order to quantify different words and be able to change things. So now they can actually change text with the same word they use by giving you a different type of a a religious text. So, you know, when we look at how even the structure of, you know, how people traveled and going back into the the time period from after, I guess, uh, the medieval times ended 1500, somewhere around there, Now you have a culmination of different groups of people who have come together with a certain body of knowledge and they take that knowledge and now they could say, I'll bring this to the next person who could vie for king of, you know, of Europe and unify, you know, the crown. And these were the things that they were trying to do. You had cousins fighting cousins and uncles marrying nieces and, you know, shit like that was going on. So for the most part, you know, you had such a, a a cluster of things happening that just blew up in Europe. And now you have people trying to escape. So the people that they're trying to escape with are gonna use them and their finances to get to where they need to go. And now they're gonna behead, you know, the person who financed the trip and take over from there. So it was a lot of, you know, piracy going on, a lot of
0: things behind the scenes. For substance and for clarity as well. Um, this is all happening over in Europe right now, all from like 1500s before 1776, correct? So this is how they're conducting themselves over there. Like they're pretty, they're warring amongst one another. right?
2: Yeah, I mean, every nation in Europe, you know, from the medieval times, from, I, I mean, when we say the medieval times, that's the middle ages, that starts, from the thousand years from 500 AD to about 1500 AD. And you know that it it changes because now after the 1500s, we start to see a shift in Europe. And most people don't realize this unless you have, I guess a higher education, because it's only touched upon in high school where they talk about the Renaissance. And the Renaissance in Europe is where you start to see what we call the whitewashing of information. And whitewashing could mean two things. It can mean, you know, the people were being whitewashed, meaning that there were brown skinned people in Europe that were being whitewashed on canvases of literally scratching off ancient relics and making them look different. So, I mean, we know they've done that in, in Egypt. We've seen them in uh, in the bottom pop in uh, in down in South America, where you know some of the murals are defaced, and you know you see some of the color being taken off of the skin areas of you know the Maya uh, in certain particular areas. So we know that that's something that has been done. But the other, the other whitewashes is just a, a pure wash of history. And you know when you take away the actual physical people from the place and make them look different. Now, other people can inject themselves into that historical record, and you know we see this across many vast, uh, you know, uh, civilizations. I mean, you have Greeks uh, going into uh, Egypt, and you know, Periopolis now is you know there's an Egyptian city called that, and then you have you know Cleopatra and the Ptolemies, uh, you know, the uh, the Romans. So you have different civilizations coming in and making claim, and now you have Greek pharaohs and, and Roman pharaohs, but you know these people, that wasn't their civilization. They didn't create it, nor you know did they, they found any of the, uh, the things there. They just took over and roped themselves into that same history. And you know there's evidence that you know there were things done when King James took over and rewrote and translated, you know, the, the King James version of the Bible. And we know that the Apocryphal books are not in there. Um, you know, the 13 books, I believe, of the apocryphal that were taken out uh, in the 1611 version of the King James Bible. So, you know, why were those things taken out and who were they supposed to be used for? So, you know, you coming to America now, now you have a bunch of people who are being kicked out of Europe. For you know one reason or another, and in droves, you have hundreds of thousands of people who didn't even come to this landmass from Europe until you know the uh, the the early or late 1800s into the uh, early 1900s, and uh, and the majority of a lot of these Europeans that are here today uh, immigrated probably after the the 19 teens or after World War One. So, you know, and then the, the, the vast majority of them came uh, before and during and after World War II. So, you know, when Hitler was in Germany in the 30s and, uh, you know, going into the 40s and up until the uh, Vietnam War, that's when you had the majority influx of the Europeans that are here today. So, you know, the ones that came during colonial times, 1700s, the, the majority of the ones that came in the 1700s were brought here by people who were fighting in Europe who didn't want to be in Europe but wanted freedom here, so they partnered with Ben Franklin and you know, uh, Thomas Jefferson and George Washington, and they were allowed asylum here, such as uh, I think it was uh, Charles II of uh, Spain who ended up coming here and helping fight or helping the so called Americans fight against
1: Britain. Yeah, definitely everything um Jay Historie was sharing right now is definitely on point, you know. Um, and all of this needs to be put into context because you know, through the through the foreign education system, right? You know, they have distorted literally they have invested in the de Indianization of our American peoples.
3: That's
0: all true.
1: right, they, they they have corrupted history, they have what is known as revisionist history, they have invested in that, which supports all the propaganda throughout media, so on and so forth. And so what I would like to do right now, right, um, let me see, is my screen share on? I believe it is. But, um, yeah, I just want to put this in perspective for people, right? So, um, this time last year, myself, Jay, Historial, um, and Chief Two Hulks, uh, we did a presentation dealing with the false history of thanksgiving revealed and so this is the cover image here and i want you to pay attention to how foreigners have depicted like the foreigners no this is an image in which the foreigners created here okay so this is a brown skin female okay this is not a pale skinned female no that is a brown skin american indian female okay with a foreign Pelskin pilgrim, it shows right. And so, what we communicated here, the purpose is the honoring, honoring, remembering the truth of our American ancestors' experience in regards to "quote unquote" Thanksgiving. This was not a jolly cotton candy period here. This was nothing, nothing nice was going on. So, I have this image here, right? This is an actual like marker okay it says first english thanksgiving in virginia so we have the date here of december 4th 1619 captain john woodleaf a member of the virginia company okay because prior to virginia state corporation it was called the virginia company arrived aboard the ship margaret with 35 men to take charge of berkeley hundred okay this is serious historical research material right here. All right? For those interested in normal, what has happened, everything referenced here, this Captain John Woodleaf, the Virginia Company, the ship called the Margaret, those 35 men to take charge of Berkeley 100. This is a wealth of knowledge here because what they did there, they've done in so many other places in regards to colonization. Observe. An experienced former Jamestown settler, he became Berkeley's first governor. He bore instructions that the day of his ship's arrival be yearly and perpetually kept holy as a day of thanksgiving to almighty God. Okay. continuing here. Beginning in 1958, the Virginia First Thanksgiving Festival commemorated this directive as the first English Thanksgiving in North America with an annual reenactment at nearby Berkeley Plantation okay so in regards to this Thanksgiving situation what exactly has been celebrated the arrival of the colonists and their activities here in our American territories well listen
0: brother Tony, brother, I do have I have a question for you now you did you answered my previous question because I was gonna ask like, what was it like with um Europeans more so like when was a time when we actually had a decent relationship and then what was it like when it shit went left pretty much but you kind of got into that but in retrospect because what was what was this time like what was harvest time like for us as the american indians versus thanksgiving because okay Thanksgiving. yeah can you get into that please okay so so once again um is
1: is jay history mentioned a moment ago or or earlier Right, Um, basically our ancestors was engaged in agricultural hunting and building activities, okay? Um, We had various crops here, from tobacco to the corn to squash, um, so many different crops we was uh, cultivating and distributing it throughout our territories. We was providing for ourselves. Um, I'm not going to go into conflicts between the different nations because, you know, we was engaged in, uh, you know, (laughs) conflicts based on the fact that, yo, our hunters was hunting a deer and then the deer runs into the other territory after it's been shot or after we've been stalking and hunting this deer. Now it runs to the other territory and then those hunters in the other territory is like, yo. Uh, is on our territory so it's our deer we're going to take this deer to feed our people and so now we're having a dispute about territory now and deers and things of this nature you know it seems petty but we're talking about feeding populations of people though you see what i'm saying one deer can feed over 20 people and we're talking about for an extensive period of time here one deer can literally feed a family for six months. You see. So anyway, um, what it was like prior to the foreign colonization, um, before the, or the invasion or what have you, um, you know, it was much better than what we're seeing right now. Um, let me give you an example real quick. So continuing with this information here, um, here it is: the foreigners are trying to depict themselves as feeding us meanwhile they even know the land to even even know how to cultivate food here they didn't we was we was killing foreigners we was killing the colonists okay you had chiefs such as powhatan right he was at war in 1619 you see what you see what the for how the foreigners depict power brown skin what they want to call negro chief powhatan right And they was at war with the colonists. Various images associated to this 1619 Thanksgiving period. Okay. It was warfare. It wasn't this Candyland image here. This was not going on. They wasn't feeding us. We was feeding them. Some nations, some tribes was feeding the colonists. But the majority was not.
2: Tony, you see the hats on those guys? Yeah, look, look at the yarmulke on that on uh, the dude with the white beard in the back and those tall black hats. That's right. Do you see the link in the chat? Click on that link if you can see it. Not, 'cause I'm
1: doing the screen shit. Oh, okay. Um,
2: because there's a uh, there's a link there that um, that talks about Sephardic Jews being part of the colony that landed at Plymouth and the role that they have has been excluded out of the American story. Period. And they were some of the biggest financiers um, as well as plantation owners throughout the Caribbean. And they brought in the Dutch because they were kicked out of Europe or kicked out of Spain and Portugal in 1492. A lot of them went into the Netherlands and in uh, various other European nations outside of going the majority of the Islamic or uh, you know uh, Arabic speaking, um, People who were in or Moors that were in Europe at that time, they went into Northern Africa. So you have you know different people coming out of the same place but going into different places
1: before migrating here to America. It wasn't no candyland situation here. We was at war with these foreigners. The foreigners they documented all of this. Our people told stories while the foreigners they was they was drawing, writing making sketches and etchings and publishing events from the 1600s forward, all right? In regards to what the foreigners is really eating, they was literally, it's documented, they was eating leather. They was eating their own clothes, all right? In addition to them eating their own clothes, they was eating each other. And when they came in contact with us, well, they was digging up our, burial grounds right and eating our corpses eating eating our 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 people that transitioned so it was pure warfare it was it was chaotic during this quote-unquote thanksgiving period right now i have a text here this is Wahan's son of cox gambit hot in foreign Relations and the Success of Virginia, 1570 through 1622, okay? I'm just showing you background right now because this is all text in which our American people need to be aware of. We have questions. Well, there are answers, but we have to know how to look for them, okay? This person here, they submitted this document here, this 227-page document to the graduate degree program in history and the graduate faculty of the University of Kansas. They're going to a university of Kansas writing about Powhatan foreign relations and the success of Virginia. This is how thorough the foreigners are in their awareness and what they're communicating amongst themselves. They know their true history and origins. Meanwhile, we're giving consumer grade nonsense, right? So i want to read this now. This right here is The Adventures of John Smith, okay? This is a Washington Post article from back in 1998. Um, this is by uh, Ken Ringel. It says here, in what passes for American history today, the nation's earliest colonial settlers were often emerged as a lily-livered bunch of high-born victimizers, their bloodlines as thin as their justifications for inflicting slavery on a supposedly pristine land. What is rarely appreciated is that the best known leader of the first permanent English settlement in the new world, the first European to explore Virginia. Much of Maryland and what would become the District of Columbia was himself a foreign slave, pardon me, a former slave. He was also foreign. Um, Anyway, he also was at the very minimum, a one-time pirate, soldier of fortune. Soldier of fortune, that's a mercenary. So we're talking about a former slave with a background in piracy, being a mercenary. He was a shipwrecked mariner. Okay, that's another, mariner is another term for slavery, or pardon me, um, for mercenary, but you are a mercenary on a ship versus a mercenary on a land, right? Continuing, apprentice merchant, a linguist, that means he knows languages, various type languages, right? A surveyor, navigator, ethnographer. Cartographer, trader, historian, colonial propagandist, colonial propagandist, and autobiographer. Alas, Captain John Smith is best known today as something he almost certainly was not. The lover of the Indian maiden Pocahontas. So let's put this in perspective real quick, right? We have Chief Powhatan the father of Pocahontas, right? His land, his territory, his people, being invaded by, what did it say again here? Being invaded by people that are former slaves, okay? Pirates, mercenaries, some shipwreckers, like they wreck ships. They engage in merchant activities. They buy, trade, and sell, right? They speak languages. Was Chief Powhatan aware of this? Was his daughter Pocahontas, who was a who was a child, a child? Your daughter, who's under age of eighteen years old, under the age of fifteen, Pocahontas—not even her real name, right? That's not even her real name, but anyway, she was a minor that was sex trafficked, and people celebrating Thanksgiving, right? What exactly is being celebrated here? Piracy, American Indian peoples, slave trafficking and sex trafficking, right? Next up, we're gonna get into this aspect, right? Uh We have cannibalism taking place, okay? Where's this information at? I mentioned it earlier. Yeah, there was eating, these foreigners came over here eating their own clothes, right? And um, DJ, you have those videos and um, definitely I will encourage you to share those videos. um, The Smithsonian videos, the clips. I got you,
0: I'll make sure I had them in for sure. This is Jane. How many of the growing numbers of dead were cannibalized is unknown. But we don't believe Jane was a lone case. Only in the most desperate of circumstances would the English have turned to cannibalism.
4: It's extremely limited skill in terms of kitchen technique. It is not the result of a butcher, someone that is working at their craft. Instead, what we see is hesitancy, trial, tentativeness, and it is just an absolute total lack of experience. This is not in terms of the cut marks that you see in some of these unusual places, not the types of cutting that you would see in any type of animal butchering. The person doing this was clearly interested in, based on what would have been accepted cuisine in the 17th century, in cheek meat, muscles of the face, that area, and tongue, and also in terms of 17th century, Traditional cuts would also include the brain. It is possible, just looking at this, and and now this is conjecture, it could be that more than one individual is actually involved in this work, because as I say, the person doing the head and face work, they they are out of their element, and the person that, if it is a second person that is working on the leg, that is certainly much more in line with conventional practice in terms of animal butchering. There are five accounts, or actually six accounts in the records that, that that these uh, that there was cannibalism, uh, and uh, there are different. It ranges from eyewitnesses at the time to hearsay later on in the 17th century. So I think that's essential. I mean that, that's the background, and, and that was a, a a subject that was debated by historians. You know, without this without without this evidence, now that we have this evidence, uh, it's pretty clear that these accounts were 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 true.
1: No!
3: greens, potatoes, tomatoes, lamb, rams, hogs, dogs, chicken, turkeys, rabbit, you name it!
1: This image of Thanksgiving, this is a whole lie. All these pale skins you see right here, and don't get it confused either. You had, quote unquote, melanated people exiled amongst these pale skins as well. Okay? And they all was engaged in cannibalism. They all was engaged in the warfare. Throughout these... East Coast, um, you know, Virginia territories. Virginia, when we look at historical maps of Virginia, we see how massive Virginia was. Massive territory just consolidated in the name of Virginia. Numerous tribes. We're talking about over just over 100 tribes throughout this Virginia territory as it once was. And the reason for the warfare was the ignorance that the foreigners brought to our ancestors. That was the reason for the, for the warfare. Similar to what we see right now. I mean, had, if our people were on point for, for what has really happened, and we see what's happening right now, and the, the ignorance against us right now, uh, I don't think anybody would be celebrating on Thanksgiving. At least not us. Foreigners wouldn't even have an opportunity to even celebrate a Thanksgiving. Why? Because, yo, they stores will be burnt down right now.
0: But then we have a lot of our family members who say, this is time that I get off from work. This is time that, that we set aside for our family. So, in retrospect to that, I respect that when I look back at some of the older ways when we had those aspects of community. But I also feel as if we have to keep in mind everything that has happened, and especially with a lot of the images that are being depicted, a lot of the things that have been hidden from us through our uh, education here in the States. I feel like it's very imperative that we understand. I didn't even see that till you zoomed in. Now, that's wild.
1: I mean, this is how serious it is. We're talking about colonization. You're talking about foreigners that came here with the intentions to annihilate, exterminate, and make our people extinct. And our ancestors was fully aware of this. And the foreigners, they made a depiction like this because this was real. Our ancestors knew what was going on. They saw what was happening. Fast forward today, how many of us see it? How many of us know this to be true? Yet and still, whoa, we're about to eat some turkey. Instead of us hunting for turkey and then having relationships with turkey, now nah, we going to go to the store and buy some frozen turkey, right? Support every foreign business, right? And then we're going to go shopping. Supporting the foreigners once again, right? Meanwhile, this right here, all these Indians putting in work to secure their land, secure their people, and everything natural. Oh, this is supposed to be forgotten about, huh? unacceptable
0: well i know tomorrow we will be eating but we are also having a business meeting and signing contracts because like in my family commercial activity is very imperative and instead of us just drinking like nobody even nobody drinks in my house so we don't drink and stuff we come together we eat and we conduct business like i feel like that's kind of we it was a commercial exchange people were harvesting in different areas and bringing different crops together and we were making sure that we could sustain throughout the winter and that's the same energy that I'm bringing in my household versus this I don't I don't shop on black friday I got everything I want (laughs) like and then we vegan and we not well we plant-based for the most part like I, I eat fish every now and then but for the most part like I don't support this day but I'm utilizing it in order to, you know, like make my family stronger. But because this is, I, I don't support no European aspect of colonization. I don't even support the United States. I'm the international. <laughs> but I'm I mean, really yo, bro,
1: yo, you know, you know the situation is right. We have treaties with very specific nations. And um, uh, to me about people are unaware of those treaties. At the same time, we have various foreign people from whatever nations that we don't have treaties with that's on our land, engaged in all types of corruption against us right now. And so in regards to this Thanksgiving, I mean, you know, the general foreign that comes here, they're like, oh, Turkey Day. Turkey Day. No respect for the land, no respect for the people, no respect for the turkey itself. The turkey is just food. Same way they view out people, we're food.
0: Oh, what about the White House situation? You know, they, they do the, the turkey thing every year, yo. I
1: don't know the details about that, to be honest, with you.
0: Every year, the president, he decides to save one turkey on Thanksgiving. That sounds symbolic of saving a house, nigga. That's what I'm saying. It just clicked when you said that. You was like, no respect for nature, no respect for the turkey. And that's exactly what that made me remember because I remember seeing it as a child.
3: It's happened every November for the past quarter century. But there's debate about how it all got started.
0: President Truman was the first president to pardon a turkey.
3: But that's not true. In fact, the Truman Presidential Library says Truman sometimes indicated to reporters that the turkeys he received were destined for the family dinner table. Truman was actually the first president to receive a turkey from the National Turkey Federation. So who was the first president to pardon a turkey? Lincoln, it appears, was the first on record, but it was a Christmas turkey that his son had taken a liking to. President John F. Kennedy was the first to pardon a Thanksgiving turkey. In 1963, despite a sign hanging around the turkey's neck that read, Good Eating, Mr. President, Kennedy sent the bird back to the farm. Richard Nixon also gave the birds a reprieve, sending his turkeys to a nearby petting zoo. Ronald Reagan was the first to use the word pardon when he was talking turkey in 1987. The turkey pardoning became formalized in 1989 with President George H.W. Bush. Let me assure you and this fine Tom turkey that he will not end up on anyone's dinner table, not this guy. This year, the spared birds will be sent to Virginia Tech University, where they already have a prominent gobbler mascot on campus. The event has become a White House holiday tradition.
1: Yes, so, um, I mean, essentially, in regards to Thanksgiving, you know, um, what are people really thankful for? You know, we're talking about something in which was once sacred, you know, when 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 your people have worked for themselves they engaged in agriculture and everything traditional everything cultural everything that your true heritage entails right and then they show gratitude by coming together with their harvest honoring not only the people but the land in a great spirit What they call wakanda it's not in africa no wakanda is american it's another name for the great spirit such as wonka tonka you see what i'm saying and for the fact that you know people even have wonka tonka the great spirit in their mind during this quote-unquote holiday season right is a problem
0: How do you feel as if um, the American Indians, well, the urban American Indian, more so, how do you feel as if we can rectify this situation? That question goes to both of you. Yo,
2: Jay, you want to go for it? Can you just repeat that, would you say, DJ?
0: Okay. My question was how do uh, as it pertains to, you know, like the ramifications and, you know, um, of colonialism as it pertains to this particular day? And you know, like our Brother Tomahawk Tony just said, a lot of us are not respecting the great spirit. Um, How do you feel as if us, you know, the urban Indian community, how do we rectify the situation and go back into that um, spiritual reverence?
2: Well, for one, I think, you know, obviously understanding who we are as individuals. I mean, respectively, we are indigenous people, but that doesn't mean we know of what people we descend from. Meaning that, you know, when Europeans got here, they documented more than 500 tribes. I mean, there's books written about this, you know, anybody who's ever researched into any of this information knows there were, you know, many tribes. So, you know, self-identification and understanding where we come from, understanding as, you know, yourself, myself and Tony and others may talk about is your genealogy, knowing who you are. And once you understand who you are, now you can start to realize, okay, where's my place? And what is my place? And who were my people? And what happened to my people? And once you feel that connection or that reconnection to your people, then it becomes, okay, Now, this is not just a house I'm renting, and somebody's just not the lord of my land and my landlord that I'm paying rent to. Now it becomes my home. And now it becomes somebody is taking over my home. And now I want my home back. You know, when it's yours and you own it, and you know, it's something that you've nurtured and took care of. And for us to say now who nurtured and took care of this place our ancestors, you know, leading up to our ancestors that we were in touch with that were under the subjugation that Tomahawk Tony was talking about for the last, you know, few minutes with regards to some of these slides. And, you know, they, they understood what it meant in order to have their own and to keep their own, but it became overwhelming because there were just too many people continuously coming here with, you know, different types of firepower and so on. But at the end of the day, once we understand who we are, then I think that means that going forward, a lot of us have already changed. A lot of us have already a different mindset. And Now, how does that grow? It grows because we do things like this where we're touching people, you know, right in the heart and saying, you know, if you're these people, why are you continuing to let this happen in your house? You know, if you own it, it's going to be a different situation than if you just there, you know, on somebody else's property. You're going to want to now make some change. And for those of us who haven't really done the job that we needed to do uh, over the past 60 plus years since, you know, Dr. King and the civil rights movement and all that stuff uh, went to the wayside, what's happened since then? You know, who's been the leadership of the people who we call you know, black people or African American in this country since that time period. The only thing that I know that has led us as a people is our culture and our culture being as strong as it is, we call it hip hop. Some people, you know, call it, uh, you know, Afro this or Afro that, but it always comes down to, we originate damn near everything, food, music, any genre of anything that, People utilize as a resource, you can find our people somewhere at the beginning of it. And, you know, that to me is something that hits to the heart of making somebody want to move. If you don't feel that your house is worth saving, then it's something, you know, you need to get out the house too. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And move over. But I think, you know, just reattaching ourselves to who we are as it is important to all of us and we all talk about it but that reattachment i think is the is the key component for you know pushing forward once we understand who we are now we take that and understand the laws that you know encompass that and how we can move on a you know different level than people who don't have a nation or people who are not connected to something
0: And uh, I most definitely appreciate your response, and I was, um, I completely concur, and that's kind of the steps that made it beneficial for me to be able to find, you know, like this spiritual grounding, you know, like my genealogy, figuring out our language, what we call our creator, and also attaching myself to my own cousins, family members, tribal members, and actually going out and engaging with these people. I feel like that's what this is really about. That's what today is about like that level of engagement in order to you know make these connections and corrections within our community
2: absolutely i mean i mean growing up i mean thanksgiving was always about family i mean we we know they made movies about it called soul food and the gathering of our people coming together and being strong and if you look throughout history i mean i live in new york and you look on any project building or any building you know, that's not in the projects, it has a sign on it and says, you know, you can't congregate there. And those are the places that we live. So, you know, if we can't even move together legally, you know, stand in front of a building and talk and rap. And that's how, you know, our culture started to grow. It was because like-minded people started to come together and see some, some ways to get out of the state in which we were living. And you know, they created something with their intellectual property that ended up becoming something that was sustainable for them to actually you know, go out and make a living. But then we see the flip side of that where other people who take that and say, okay, that's great, let me nurture that. By the time you're 15, 16, 17 years old, that talent will be nurtured and you'll be honed and you'll be great and you'll be at the prime of your life, but you got a, a agent. Getting you know more than the actual player over the course of their lifetime from that particular contract, or you know somebody who, who who just coached them up or whatever the case may be. How can we begin to take things that we use from our past, our upbringing, our traditions, if you will? These were the things that we were left with after people took away everything that we had and then gave us back something with no ability to educate ourselves on who we were for 200 plus years, to me, slavery, when it comes to like working and all that stuff, slavery, we talked about this, is equal to employment. A job is slavery, okay? A master is your employer. So you have to sustain yourself one way or another. We were people who bartered and traded and used our community to raise each other and you know when we talk about community raising a child somebody grew the corns beans and squash somebody went fishing somebody went hunting you know somebody made the 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 cabins that we lived in and and somebody you know put up the protection around the fences we had people who were carpenters and masons and things of that nature so we had a community of people that had skills to better each other and we didn't we could hone those skills we have more time to work on them now you're in a job for eight hours you're commuting two hours to get to work and back you know so the time is limited so for us to not even be educated from the the past two to three hundred years which was taken away from us and just some of the oral stories that we had to hold on to now we feel like you know whatever's left thanksgiving was something that brought our family together it's not about the data you know Europeans created it's about us utilizing what we have left to be able to do something with and better ourselves so you know i, I don't see things given as a negative um but it's not the same meaning as what has been portrayed you know
0: obviously to us and that's why we're bringing this forward i completely concur and um like we pretty much touched every topic, and once again, I want to thank you for coming on. And is there any closing statements that you have, bro? Um,
2: I just want to say, you know what, to 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 anybody out there, man, this this information is a lot. It's uh, it's 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 hard to actually start digesting if you don't know where to begin. So to find somebody or to find people who have not enough knowledge to even get you to the point where you can understand be you know beyond your grandparents and and where you came from outside of you know just the state. I think it, it'd be you know to everyone's advantage to do some due diligence within your own family and you know talk to some other people, get to know other people and you know for our people to be able to thrive in this nation again in our nation, we need to come together. And, you know, we, we can't allow other people to dictate how our communities engage with one another. We can't let the media or the news, you know, uh, be able to, you know, start influencing us to react in a certain way. We're trendsetters. We're originators. We create. So, you know, to allow other people to do things and, and, and use them as an excuse, I think we've gone beyond that. Now it's time for you know the people who were supposed leaders to step out the way and let the young people who are coming up you know with the energy and emotion and the education behind it to actually push our people forward. So you know we all can be we don't need a hero. We don't need you know another uh, another so-called uh, martyr or Jesus to be brought in front of us. If we can all grab the rings and push forward as a people, and I think, you know, I'd rather be chilling with my homeboys, you know what I'm saying, somewhere than me being by myself. You know what I'm saying? It, Snoop said it best, it ain't no fun. You know what I'm saying? If The homies can't have some. So, you know, for us as a people to thrive forward, we got to put the guns down. We got to, you know, stop harming ourselves and build each other up. You know, that would be my last uh, voice for the evening.
0: From Brother History, I most definitely appreciate you and Brother Tomahawk Tony for coming on. And once you got a lot more work to do, so everybody stay tuned. Peace and love. Yes, sir. Peace.